Welcome. First ever All Gear No Game episode co-host, you know him, Jonah freaking Willard. Shy high, you want to plug yourself really quick? No, Chan and Job. <laughs> hey, Chan, when, when you're looking at the cameras, just just aim for the middle one. Okay, yeah, thanks. <laughs> so NBA playoffs prediction, I'm a little disappointed right now because we just got off the Warriors crushing blow, crushing loss, but road to 39 ends here. It is what it is. What are we going to start with? We're going to start with the West or East? I was thinking we could start with the Eastern <laughs> Conference. <laughs> and what better way to kick things off than with a team that actually won its playing game, and that's the Washington Wizards, and they're going to be taking on the Philadelphia... Wait, wait, was that a jab? Is that a jab a little bit? No, it was a compliment. Actually won, though. We're talking about the Wizards. Yeah, the Wizards. Not even the same conference as the team you're alluding to. Yeah. They're going to be taking on the one seed, Philadelphia 76ers, who had a really good season. They did have a good season. I'm not feeling as good about them as I did earlier in the season, honestly, but I feel good about them against the Wizards. Yeah, so I think the place we have to start here is just how the heck is Washington going to stop Joel Embiid? Because it's probably going to be Alex Lynn in the Mm -hmm. starting lineup and then Robin Lopez and Daniel Gafford. I think Gafford is probably just drawing completely dead. He's way too small to go against Embiid. He's going to foul a ton. I just do not think that matchup's going to work. Alex Lynn, probably a little bit too immobile, and that's really, I think, what the difference has been with Embiid this season is it's not only been like the brute force in the post, but also that face-up game, those quick accelerations to the basket. Just a very well-rounded offensive game inside the three-point arc. And the Wizards, they don't have a good answer for that. Robin Lopez, as much as we love him on the show, he's just going to be too slow. He's also fouls quite a bit. Like, he's never going to be able to stop and beat. There's just really not an option on this Wizards team. It's going to have to be the double team. Yeah. Here's a question I have. I know the postseason isn't supposed to, like, affect MVP, really. Mm -hmm. But... I think it's safe to say Embiid has kind of fallen behind in the race. Mm -hmm. If he has a crazy series and just dominates, obviously they should win anyways. But if he like averages like 35 in the series, do you think that changes his odds at all? No. Isn't the voting already done before anyway? The voting's already (laughs) It's Joker. It's Joker all day. Yeah, it's going to be Joker then. It'll be Joker, Steph, Embiid. When did they vote? Uh... I think the votes were due like on I didn't Thursday or Wednesday. Who'd you vote for? I <laughs> Isn't there a fan vote? No. No. Because remember how they were on the TNT show the other day? They were like announcing the finalists and stuff. Oh, that was based on the votes actually? Here, I baby, thought it was you just You see like, how Shannon's talking talking to that? Because you're not no, going to get picked shoot, up very sorry. well. Just bring the mic over. Yeah. Native, it actually might be easier. Can I just hold it? Yeah. You can hold it. I didn't yeah. know the voting stopped. Yeah, before the, the season that makes sense yeah the voting stopped earlier this week because i think exactly what you're talking about they don't want the playoffs to influence yeah because they would selection and, oh big time yeah so i guess yeah because i was thinking if the warriors won i was like steph's gonna get it yeah but apparently it doesn't matter no it doesn't matter at all that's why we're screwed steph's yeah. only in there because of like popularity anyway well no i steph's had a great season he has yeah, had an he amazing des- season he deserves to be in the conversation yeah I, I'd probably have him second behind Jokic at this Me point. Me too. He came a lot longer than I thought he would. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I was I said I was going to eat my shoe if he wanted, and I almost had to eat my shoe. Yeah, lead, I still might have to. Leading the league and scoring on insane efficiency, a great, a great season for Stephen Curry, even if it didn't end on the highest of notes. 
But to get back to this 1-8 matchup, we said they're going to have to double team. There's really not... It's just such a tough matchup for Washington because you don't have the center to guard Embiid straight up. Not that many teams do. And so I think most teams who take on the Sixers in the playoffs are going to have to go with the double team. But when you look up and down the roster, there's there's just not a lot of forwards left for Washington. Mm-hmm. Denny Avdia, we saw him leave um, the season with the ankle injury earlier, unfortunately. Rui Hachimura, I mean... Sure, Davis Bertans, he's probably too slow. He's not really going to be able to do much. Um, it's the, the Wizards, they don't have enough size, and they certainly don't have enough like versatility. Like They don't have players who are both big enough to guard and beat and then also have like quick feet. And so it's just going to be a very difficult matchup. And then stopping to... Because if you're going to send doubles, like it's not like you're doubling him with a guard. It's not like you're going to send like Howell Neto or Westbrook or Beal to go double team um, Embiid. And so it's going to have to be a forward. But there's so much size at other points in the Philadelphia lineup, like Simmons and Tobias Harris. Those are all guys who can make you pay if you double team with your forwards. So I think the Sixers are just going to really be able to score on this Wizards defense. Well, and also the Sixers have the perfect players to stop the Wizards' best players. And oh, like yeah. Ben Simmons and Matisse Thibel, like, yeah, yeah, peace. I and I don't even think I think he will play some, but I don't even think Thibel has to play significant yeah. minutes. I think, I think the um, Sixers are probably going to go with more offense focused players. Like we might see more of Seth Curry or even like Furkan Korkmaz, Shake Milton. I think George Hill will probably get <laughs> a lot of run in this series because I think what you're saying is a great like observation like Westbrook he really doesn't have shooting at this point in his career he obviously spends a lot of time on the ball as we know but the um Sixers like they just have such great ability to like pack the interior with size you know Embiid's going to be waiting for him at the rim Embiid is a great rim protector when he's in position and with like Lynn Lopez Gafford they don't stretch the floor there's never going to be a reason for Embiid to be too far from the basket so he's just going to be able to contest everything which is going to make um life very hard on russell westbrook and they've got those guards like you alluded to those danny greens even seth curry competes quite a bit ben simmons i forgot about danny green yeah tyball and they all get over screens they all are high effort defensive players so yeah it's just i think the wizards guards are going to have a very hard time finding easy looks especially with beal he's still recovering from this hamstring injury maybe a more difficult time getting separation, especially what do you think they probably start with Simmons on Bradley Beal? Um, Dude, prob- probably. Yeah. Cause I think with Westbrook, you're not so much playing him for the shot. Like honestly That's with true. Westbrook, yeah. just let him drive to the basket and then Embiid can kind of take care of yeah. the rest. Like I think you could probably start with like Danny green on him. Like I think Seth Curry, that might be a bridge too far. Seth Curry would probably just get bullied by Westbrook. They could run post. Yeah. But if you start out with Danny Green, I don't, I don't really think that's an advantage for Westbrook. That's a really good point, this, though. Like, yeah. Yeah, for like a one-on-one defender, it, like you're gonna want to put your one-on-one defender on Beal over Westbrook, definitely, because yeah. he's looking to create that shot. Well, yeah. I mean, Westbrook might look look to create it, but Beal's gonna be more <laughs> efficient. Yeah, I would say. Wait, but in their playing game, wasn't he? He he wasn't that good, right? He was like 10 for 25. Brad? Yeah, Brad. Yeah, and he's, That's not awful. Yeah. He's still recovering from this injury, yeah. too. 
So I think the place where you have to look if there even is going to be some advantage for the Washington Wizards is those bench units. Because as of late, they've been pretty effective with um, Ish Smith on the floor kind of running that offense with Beal and or Westbrook off the court, usually Westbrook if Smith is at um, point guard. And those bench units, that has historically been a pressure point for Philadelphia. It's been when Joel Embiid's been on the bench that other teams have been able to take advantage. So, right, yeah, when we look at um, when we look at these bench lineups, though, for the Washington Wizards, it's a lot of shots at the rim, a lot of floaters, and Dwight Howard, uh, he fouls a lot. He's far from a perfect player, but he takes those shots away, and so. Like I, I I don't know if I don't know if the bench advantage is going to be something that's sustainable for the Washington Wizards. No, I don't think it'll matter. Yeah, yeah, dude. There's no way in hell the Washington Wizards are gonna win this series anyway. Yeah, I don't think we need to spend too much more time <laughs> on this series. Are you guys? I'm gonna there... move on. Wait, can you remind me? So eight and one play, and then what do they play in the second round? Really quick, four or five. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Might be the end of the road for the <laughs> Blazers for the Sixers. No. Oh, oh. what? Um, anyways. Well, because you guys are gonna have to play the Jazz. Oh wait, no, that's Atlanta and New York, huh? Yeah. I was thinking the Heat were in there. No, they're. No, the Heat are in the uh, three six yeah, with yeah, Milwaukee. Yeah. Never mind. Do the yeah. Man, that's a tough side of the bracket. Being a four or five stinks. Yeah. And um, maybe one thing the Wizards could try if they just want to really juice up the offense is go with the three guards, Westbrook, Beal, Howell Neto, probably for some floor spacing, or Garrison Matthews. You could go with him, a wonderful shooter. And then playing Hachimura and Bertans and just really try to space that 76ers team out. But I, th- I just ultimately think that falls short because even in those lineups, you've still got non-shooters like Westbrook's not really a shooter. Hachimura and um, Neto, they both hover around 30%, but like they're not really... Yeah, Neto's sneaky good. They're not going to be guys who the Sixers are forced to guard. So I think even in those lineups, you can put Embiid on a smaller player and have him camp out in the paint. Also, that might be when we see, I don't know if this is really Doc Rivers' MO, but you could see the Sixers turn to some zone, maybe. Um, if the uh, if the, uh, if the the Wizards try to go really small and just kind of juice up the offense, yeah. I think maybe putting, putting in Tybalt, Simmons, Danny Green, Seth Curry, like those lineups, you got a lot of ball hawks. You've got a lot of speed, a lot of mobility and versatility mm-hmm. on the defensive end. I think that could be a good counter for that. But yeah, ultimately, we don't need to spend too much time. I think we all know where, um, what direction the series is heading. 4-0. 4-0. 4-0. Sweeper? Definitely. What if Brad goes off for like 51 night? It doesn't matter. There's no way. I don't think there's any way the Wizards win a game. All right. So we're going. Are you going 4-2? I'll go four as well. Right, I'm gonna give him one. Let's go Cinco. Okay. Looking optimistic. <laughs> I'm just gonna be. I'm just gonna have a positive attitude today, because you know, not a lot went right today. So All yeah. Right. So two seven. Uh, is there a bracket so we, we could fill out? You think the everybody? Nets, the Heat, and the Bucks all on the same side of the bracket. Mm-hmm. That's Damn. how the East works. Yeah. And the Celtics. Yeah, did you say the Celtics? Nah, I'm not worried about no Celtics personally. I am. The Celtics are nice. They're going to get... <gasps> what if they upset BKN? That would never happen. What happened? Jonah, what would you give the chances for that to happen? Uh, Celtics? Maybe like one and a half percent. How many? How, very minimal. We'll get to that game, but... No, yeah, that's the one we're going to do right now. Oh, facts. Let's go. So do you want to lead us off for this one, Kellen? Yeah, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum's going to lead him. I'm going to say, dude... Um, 
maybe seven games. Seven oh my god. <laughs> That's it's a lot of games. It's a lot of games. Maybe dude, you never know. All right, let's go. I'm gonna go Boston in six. Oh my I what? Just, Boston in six games. Okay. I just ultimately think um this Bold? Nets team is just gonna be too good offensively yeah. because like who's who's Kimba Walker gonna guard? <laughs> like I mean Russell Westbrook. We're in a different series now. Oh wait, shoot! No, no. who bro, Kemba? Yeah, dude, I'm so dumb. Uh, he's gonna guard uh, Kyrie. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd like him better against West. Yeah, me too. Not, not that either. That was those, embarrassing. Not that Kemba would have the advantage in either of those matchups, but yeah, I think ultimately. Yeah, dude. Um, maybe the maybe Tristan Thompson just can give him some physicality no, he on can't. the boards. Yeah. <laughs> He no, he, he works. Can't. He works. I, I think if Tristan Thompson, I think if tr- they have Tristan Thompson in there and he's playing well, I think rebounding could be a factor. For I don't the think Boston there will be Celtics. enough available rebounds. The shots are going in. No, I'm. You don't I'm, know. I'm talking about like offensive rebounds, though. <laughs> but too. if but if Brooklyn's scoring, offensive rebounds hardly matter. Yeah, yeah, and I think Brooklyn they can counter that too because it's not like Tristan Thompson's going to the post. So maybe you bring in. Jeff Green and try to um, yeah. and then another thing you could do is just put Tristan Thompson in a ton of pick and rolls too or even better you could play Blake Griffin at center and just run Kyrie Blake Griffin pick and rolls hard and Blake Griffin pick and rolls try to involve Tristan Thompson in the action get him away from the basket force him to make plays on defense just put him in uncomfortable positions away from the hoop and you're kind of exploiting his relative lack of mobility as opposed to a Robert Williams who as of right now I don't even know if, if he's going to play or like a Grant Williams because that really that really is the only kind of advantage the uh, Celtics and have to And the thing press. is Tristan Thompson isn't going to be the difference maker in a series in my opinion. I just don't yeah. see it happening especially against the Brooklyn Nets for this Boston Celtics team I don't see it happening. I wouldn't be absolutely shocked if it did go to six for Brooklyn. I mean, if it's going to six, then they all of a sudden you're closing the series out in Boston. Do you think it maybe at that point it might go to seven? No, I don't think so. I just think that I wouldn't be absolutely shocked if Brooklyn were to drop a couple games that they should win. Yeah. And their first series as a team together. Yeah. But um, I'm probably going to say Brooklyn in five. I don't think Brooklyn's going to lose the fourth game in the series. I think if they lose, it's going to be like they lose game one or game two. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Of, easing their way in but maybe should we go through and talk about what some of these individual matchups are going to be because i think that's kind of what you've got to do with every opponent brooklyn faces because they just put so much firepower here's the problem the when you say Kyrie, james and katie it doesn't yeah. matter who's on the other team yeah who is well, who their matchup is hardly matters because they're so good dude like jason tim's really good but he's not james harden or kevin durant yeah well, I think it's gonna be Tatum on Durant, probably. That I think that would make. He's not tall enough. I mean, yeah, no, he's he, not. I mean, very few wings are. But yeah, I mean, exactly. He's he's taller than most, and he's got the wingspan. He he would at least be able to contest the shots. Like I don't know. I I think Katie's a seven footer. And maybe. I mean, there's there's not really a better option. No, there's not. Like there's up not. and down this roster. I think Marcus Smart. He's probably gonna start out. On Harden. Oh, Harden, yeah. Yeah. And Kai. It's really just going to depend because. Um, oh, they got JB too, though. 
Yeah, and there's there's not really a um, there's not really a preference. I don't think for Steve Nash whether he's going to Durant or Harden. There, like, there's not really one main source to yeah. shut down because it could come from any direction on any given night, and so it's really just like a guessing game. Yeah, um, yeah, because whoever you're not putting Marcus Smart on, that's probably who Kimba has to guard. Which all of a sudden. That opens up another can of worms. So, it's what just, about Jalen Brown? Is he hurt? Yeah, he's he's not mm-hmm. playing. What? He broke his hand. What? Where have I been? When? You've been grinding music. Where? When did he break his hand? Uh, he he didn't break it in the Blazer game, I don't think. But that was the last game he played. Oh God. When's he back? That's um, what I'm trying yeah, to figure out. Uh, there's Next no way. Season. No, the Celtics aren't winning. Oh, he's two gone though. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, they're not winning two games. That was my bad. If Jalen Brown, if Jalen Brown was playing this series, all of a sudden gets actually kind of interesting. Yeah. What about Evan Fournier? Yeah, Fournier. I don't really think he gives them much because he's another guy who I think he can keep them afloat on offense, but I don't. He's not stopping any of the Brooklyn guys. I thought Jalen Brown was playing, dude. You don't need anybody when you got Jason on your team. No, that doesn't matter. What do you mean? Maybe it matters against who they play, the Wizards. Congratulations. Yeah, I think that's in five. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Celtics in be, six. I don't think this will really be a series where DeAndre Jordan plays that much. Give me and, boy Claxton and out there. yeah, Claxton maybe. I think those guys will play, but it'll be more of like an experimental like type of thing. Like I think yeah. Steve Steve Nash is not only going to be finding out who he can play in the playoffs, but who actually fits well next to the big three because they still haven't really seen those lineups in um tact this season and so facts i think probably ultimately their best lineups are going to be maybe like blake griffin jeff green just try to get yeah a that's how bit, i feel a little bit more offense just kind of to counter the uh, physicality of the celtics because i do think tristan thompson kind of represents like the lone advantage for boston which is just having that kind of physical bruiser on yeah. the interior but if the if the Nets just counter that with a ton of spacing and like versatile big men like Blake Griffin who can involve Thompson further out on the court, I just really think life gets hard at that point. And you honestly probably have to switch to like a Grant Williams at that point. In yeah, time because like Tristan Thompson is just not going to be able to survive in that sort of environment. This sucks. I'm so sad. Look at that. You wanted to see him lose? Look at that one versus eight right there. UTA versus Mem. Nah, All right, so are you, are you guys ready to jump into <laughs> some predictions for this series? Maybe let's let's actually, before we end, let's go through some of these. Can I change mine? Yeah, you better change yours. Let's go through some of these like less established players on the Nets, and we can sort of talk about what we think their role is going to be because there are some interesting ones. Well, like, what's up with that one dude I've been hearing about? Mike? Mike James. Yeah. Is he legit? Uh, he, I, he's not going to be a part of the playoff rotation. No, I wouldn't. I heard he's the new Fred Van Vliet. No, no, no. He's. You yeah. said you had to pull the plug on Jordan Poole, so I'm not going to believe what you say. Well, I mean, the Warriors agreed with me that it was only after they had banished him to the G League that he actually started <laughs> playing better. Hey, it's called hard work and dedication. You can't give up on a 20 year old, 21 year old, first round pick. Sometimes well, I mean, they can. did. They sent him to the G they League. They did. Yeah. Anyways. Um, who they have? A uh, Bruce Brown. He's gonna be an interesting one, I think. Um, yeah. I think it's very much matchup dependent with him because I almost think they're gonna play him as a small ball center most of the time. Um, 
it was too bad before Harden got hurt the first time they were actually starting to develop some good chemistry with Bruce Brown, like setting screens and rolling to the basket. And cause he's like a physical player, even though he's relatively short, he's like six, six. He, um, he sets solid screens. He can finish around the basket. Um, I don't think he's going to factor in too much. He's another guy who's just like really matchup dependent because yeah. there are going to be certain teams with big men where he just can't survive. I mean, honestly, that'll probably be the case for every series here on out. Like the Celtics might be the only matchup where it's appropriate to have Bruce Brown in the game. But yeah, facts. Because if you end up, yeah, facts. Yeah, because after this, you're going up against Giannis. You're going up against maybe Embiid, and then um, whether it's one of the LA teams or like Utah, just a bunch of teams who have like big, kind of traditional big men who are also like very good. Yeah. And so the Nets are going to have to have some size to counter the that. Blazers. And, it, and if you're <laughs> and if you're playing with size, it really doesn't make sense to have Brown out he there. You, at that point, you just want to get some more spacing, probably. Um, Landry Shamit. I'm. I'm not too he's okay. Op- I'm not too optimistic on Landry Shamit. Like he's fine, but he's not really giving you anything. Joe Harris isn't. Was he and a so Clipper? Like why? Yeah, yeah, he was. So why wouldn't you just play Joe Harris? You yeah, know? just play Joey. And Joe Harris, he's Brooklyn phenomenal. Stocked, he is. Yeah, he's the. He's very much just the natural fourth player to place next to their big three. DeAndre Jordan. I mean, obviously, I think it goes without saying like he's the biggest guy physically on the roster, so he's going to be important in some matchups i don't really think he makes a lot of sense in this boston series yeah. just because i think their biggest advantages are going to come when they go all offense and try to space out and really like put the pressure on on that end of the floor but i i think it'll be worthwhile to give them a few minutes just to kind of keep the rust off you know facts agreed yeah and then other than that nick claxton we should probably talk <sighs> about he act, he could he could be an interesting one to play here because I do he's going to be important in the lineups that he's a, obviously a defense first player. He's yeah. going to be very important when they go to those switching lineups. Yeah. And I, I think switching could be a key to really just shutting down anything Boston wants to do because they don't really, they don't really have a lot of great players attacking switches like honestly Jalen Brown. I think you would have to say he's their best one-on-one player like Tatum. He's he's a wonderful scorer. He's great in the pick and roll but he actually has trouble beating people in the ice. He's going to the jump shot more than yeah, Jalen Brown will take it to the rack. Exactly. More. Yeah. Tatum, he can get to that step back jumper and he is good at that shot, but it's still not the most efficient it's shot. It's not as scary he, as he, someone who's getting yeah. to the basket. Yeah. Like Jalen exactly. Brown. And he oftentimes when he does work the ball inside, he settles for floaters or mid rangers. I think switching that, that could be the way where you really can just stifle this Boston Facts, team. Yeah. Because I, I think see Nick. Kimba might be the only guy who's scaring you, but I mean, I he, he hasn't been so amazing this year. But nah. maybe this could be the series he starts. Yeah, doubt it. I I think we're ready to make some predictions for this series. That's in five, baby. I'm, Actually, the more I'm looking at it, dude, I don't know if Boston's gonna win a game. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I agree with Jonah. I think Brooklyn might drop the first or second game. Potentially. If they're gonna lose one. You know what? I'm gonna say Brooklyn in six. I I cause I, I think they're gonna be I think they're gonna be messing around quite a bit. I think they're gonna be almost taking advantage of having maybe a couple extra games in the first round to really get their guys some run together. Low key, yeah. Really see <laughs> really see what sort of sets <laughs> That'd be work. So messed up. I th- I think Boston especially has 
a huge coaching advantage in the series too. As much as I've been a fan of what Steve Nash has done, um, Brad. Playoff experience. We talk about playoff experience all the time in terms of players. I actually think it matters a lot more for coaches. And Brad Stevens is one of the best coaches in the NBA. And so I really think he's going to come, hopefully, with a solid game plan. It seems like his defensive magic has kind of worn off maybe a bit this season. But I still trust him a lot more than Nash. And so, yeah, I think he can come up with something. But I just think the Celtics are going to come out and probably play quite a bit harder than the Nets, too. You're going to get that um, TD Garden crowd. He's been long awaiting the return of one Kyrie Irving. So that should be a pretty... Facts. He's going to be sending some that kisses. That should be a, a He's not focused on basketball right not now. toxic atmosphere. And so, um, yeah, I just think Boston, I just think they're better coached. They're going to be trying harder. They're probably going to be playing their best players more minutes. They have more experience playing together. I just, I just think that's going to be enough for them to to maybe win like a couple games you know i think i think boston and six i i think the games brooklyn wins it's it's gonna look really good like i think brooklyn's gonna be able to blow them out i don't yeah i don't think boston can blow out brooklyn but yeah i could see it going like boston wins game one brooklyn wins game two they split it in boston and then it's tied to two and brooklyn just wins the next two like that's probably that's kind of the direction i see this going in Bless you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I feel like the games Brooklyn gets, I feel like we're going to see some games where Katie and James get to play like 20 minutes and then chill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so you've got Brooklyn. Channon's got Brooklyn in five. Callan's got Brooklyn in four games, even though he was supposedly going to be optimistic. <laughs> and I've got Brooklyn in six. Yeah. All right. All right, so I, let's move now on. Now it gets interesting. Let's move on to what I think is the most interesting series of this first round, the rematch from last year, the Milwaukee Bucks <laughs> and the Miami Heat. The, no one's touching Giannis. Stop with it right now. There's no way. I, I want to see Every Giannis season in this in this year's playoffs. So we watched the series last year, and they did have some answers for Giannis. They did. Giannis I, was worn out. I think, and I think that's where we should start with this series. Let's talk about how Miami was able to take down Milwaukee, and we could kind of go through those factors and address um, what my Milwaukee has done to improve in those areas, and if we think those advantages are sustainable for the Heat. So basically, Miami built a wall. Yep, they built they built a wall. I think what ultimately lost Milwaukee that series was a lack of versatility on yeah. both the offensive and defensive ends. Um, yeah. Which uh, they kind of have addressed. Mike Mike Budenholzer, he has a way he wants to play the game. His methods work exceedingly well in the regular season, but we've seen him fall short a couple times in the playoffs. And to Channon's point, they have done a lot to address that this regular season. After finishing with the best record in the NBA for two consecutive years, they kind of took the, their foot off the gas. They tried some new things. They maybe went a little bit out of their comfort zone this season, and they fell to the third seed. But I think they might be better prepared than ever for the playoffs. Same, yeah. And Drew Holiday is a perfect player for them, I think. Yeah. So let's let's go through and just sort of talk about how Miami won because I, I thought what you're saying was correct, building the wall. They were able to help quite a bit. Uh, Jay Crowder was the base matchup on Giannis. You imagine that's 
going to be Ariza this year, who basically is just kind of filling in for everything that Jay Crowder used to do. Yeah. And then they had no problem helping off of uh, Milwaukee's shooters. So whether that was Butler or even Robinson or Bam Adebayo or especially Iguodala, just sending a lot of help, just showing Giannis a lot of bodies, forcing Giannis to make passes, which is not really his comfort zone. Um, he's he's great at sort of um, he's great at passing like when he's in control. Like he's great at like if he's at the top of the key, he kind of knows if I like drive to the nail right now, this player is gonna crash in and help, and I can kick it out to this three point shooter. Yeah. But if you send bodies from a lot of different directions and keep it sort of inconsistent, he's not really good at just that reactionary aspect of passing. If that makes Facts, sense. Yeah. Definitely doesn't have the instinctive passes. And last last year, the uh, Bucks were horrible, frankly, from three. It was Eric Bledsoe missing a ton of threes, who they have since Facts. shipped out. DiVincenzo missed his fair share. Wesley Matthews, who again is no longer on the team. He missed um, a few. Chris Middleton. He Chris Middleton had a monster game for, but overall, not the best series. Um, he has ever played in Pat Connaughton, Dante DiVincenzo, just not a really great performance from any player on the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. But I think they've since addressed that. I think Drew Holiday is a very important figure. Having that half court initiator can run some pick and rolls with Giannis Antetokounmpo, even as the role man. Those, yeah. That pairing has been very effective. I think just having that counter that they can go to when the, uh, when the heat do build a wall, is going to be important. Yeah. He's so much better than Bledsoe. Like, oh, is um, yeah. I think offensively, it's not even close. Yeah. And defensively, I actually like, I I like them in different ways, but I almost think Holiday is more built for the Bucks system just because I, I like I like him a bit more getting over screens. I think he does a better job of like staying attached to yeah. the quicker guards. Um, and Bleds Bledsoe is stronger. I like Bledsoe more in like a switching system where he might ha- be pressed into service against like wings or like bigger players. But yeah, in just a traditional defensive set, I, I definitely would agree. I liked your holiday quite a bit. So I, and that really brings us to the second thing, which was just, I, and this was all, even almost as big as the lack of offensive versatility, just playing that drop coverage all the time. Like, Goran Drakic was their leading scorer in this series. They just let him get so comfortable in the mid-range, and he really killed him for it. He did. And so, and Duncan Robinson as well, another guy who was just coming off of those Bam Adebayo um, handoffs and just seeing nothing but daylight. And yeah. when when you give a shooter like that license to bomb away, it's just never going to end end well. Like Tyler Hero. He got into quite the comfort zone yeah, in that did, series. Bro. Yeah, yeah, he did. And I honestly think that's going to be the X factor because I do. I like what the Bucks have done. They've gotten PJ Tucker. I think that is just a wonderful addition. They've been going to lineups with Giannis Antetokounmpo at center, and both of those methods are ways for them to get their big man further out on the floor. Maybe do some switching. Maybe trap the ball handler. Like do a high hedge. Um, just just not give those looks coming off of screens and handoffs. So I think that's going to be important. But ultimately, ultimately there will still be quite a minute, quite a few minutes with Brook Lopez. He's still a very important player on this team. Average 27 
minutes in the regular season. And so there will there will still be opportunities for Drakic here. I think Nunn maybe could play a role in the series. Kendrick Nunn, he, he might almost be the best mid-range shooter out of that pairing. Dude, yeah, he's so good. And I, I think that's the X factor. If those guys can really get into the com- their comfort zone, and we've seen Hero show some flashes in the final weeks of the regular season, I think Tyler Hero could have a huge series. And that that is Hopefully. really... That's really good. If he does, it gives Miami a way better chance. I agree. He's, he's the X factor, no question. Because I... Honestly, I think Dragic he's he's looked a little washed this season. I don't yeah. I don't really know. I think maybe his his passing is still useful. He's a much better passer than Tyler Hero. But honestly, I don't really think you need passing to beat this Milwaukee team. What you need is just shot making and I yeah. think I think that's where Hero is going to come in handy. I think Kendrick Nunn, he's definitely going to be worth a look in this series. Like I think I think when the Bucks are in their traditional lineup, I think when they've got Brooke Lopez on the floor, Miami, they should be able to score pretty well. Yeah. I, I know nothing about the East, bro. Yeah, yeah. I guess if you look at it, Miami does kind of win some matchups. You know what I mean? Yeah, and in in and so let's go. I let's go. We can or no, let's do this. Let's talk about because um, Milwaukee made the moves they did for a reason, and they and I think PJ Tucker, he's going to be a big key for them in this series because I think just having that switching, just having that sort of break glass in case of emergency, like if if Duncan Robinson were to get really hot, I just think having um, a guy who can play Bam out of bio at like the level of the screen and the level of the handoffs, that's going to be important. And then it becomes a matter of like, can they go to Bam out of bio in the post and punish PJ Tucker? And PJ Tucker is probably going to foul Bam out of bio quite a bit. Um, I'm just kind of trying to game the scenario out in my head how what the counters are going to be. But I mean, I I think Miami they still give them a lot of problems. I think if Adebayo is the same player he was last year, I think PJ Tucker is almost a panacea. But like Bam, he might be able to score on him quite a bit. I yeah, think. that's how I feel. Yeah, I think Bam can give it to him. And if if you're doing that too, if you're playing like the big man out at the level of the screen, there's going to be nothing stopping Jimmy Butler maybe from going to the post on Chris Middleton because you're basically clearing out the center of the floor for Jimmy Butler to go to work as well. So I I really don't think that PJ Tucker. I think I think that's going to be something they can go to and just completely shut off all the shooting. Which I mean honestly. I think that's the most important thing. I think shooting is definitely Miami's biggest weapon on offense. Even yeah. though, even though, like obviously Jimmy and Bam are their best players, I think what keeps Mike Budenholzer up at night is the thought of like Robinson coming off of screens and bombing threes. And so I think and Tyler Hero getting hot. Yeah, I th- I think that I think that the moves they made can kind of prevent that from happening, which I think is important. So, oh, so I do, I do think that I do think that the Milwaukee defense is going to be much improved from from what we saw last year. Yeah, yeah. And so on offense, I think it's just so tough because they do have Drew Holiday, and the Heat guards are not good defensively. No, but is that going to matter? Because you still have Iguodala, you still got Butler, you've still got. Um, 
out of bio. So it's just such a wonderful backline of defense, especially those. True, only one of them has to guard Giannis. I mean, not really, but like there's extra defenders. Yeah, and you still got Trevor Ariza who could be on Giannis. And you can, I think you can help off of, help off of Giannis in those situations, assuming he's not the role man, because you never want to give him a full head of steam going to the basket. But say it's like a Drew Holiday drive and kick. Um, like Bam Adebayo is going to probably be defending Holiday at the basket. Like that's the reason Holiday's kicking it to Giannis in the first place. So if, if Adebayo's in position at the basket and Giannis is driving to the rim, that's still probably not an ideal situation for Miami. But it's also not DEFCON 1. Like you're still making Giannis... Um, Make a play fit. over Bam. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think... I think we've talked about this all the time on the show. Bam Adebayo may be the best defensive center in the playoffs in the NBA. And I do think he causes a lot of problems. Like, this is just going to be a fascinating game of chess between these two coaches. And that's another thing we should probably talk about. Miami's got a massive coaching advantage, which, oh, is, yeah. which is another reason they won. Yeah, that year. is, yeah. Because as I'm, like, gaming this out in my head, there, there are no, like easy answers for either team like Facts. there are no real like lineups no. or sets there's nothing really my milwaukee can go to to like gain an absolute advantage if anything i think miami might have more weak like i think milwaukee might have more weaknesses than miami that doesn't that doesn't mean miami's better it just means there are more obvious places on milwaukee that i think miami can attack and I think that starts with the Brook Lopez at center minutes. I think that starts with Dante DiVincenzo and Giannis. Those lineups maybe not having a lot of shooting really allow you to build the wall. Pat Connaughton is another guy who they probably won't respect a ton from beyond the arc. Yeah. It's so hard to gauge Miami pre-playoffs because they change a lot when the playoffs come around. Yeah, exactly. Like, no one thought they were going to the finals last year. Yeah, and in the, in the last three minutes of a close it. game, I think you've got to trust Jimmy Butler. Yeah, and that's the thing. Jimmy Butler is so good, and it's so yeah. easy to forget that. Yeah. It is so easy to forget that. But he's, in my opinion, he's their best player on their team. And I think I think there are moments in the series where Jimmy Butler is going to be the best player on the on court. On the court. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. He takes over games. Yeah. He is so good, and, and that's he, what like makes it so hard for me to be like, I'm taking the Bucks in this. I don't know. And Jimmy Butler elevates his game when it matters so the much. Yeah, like maybe more than any other player. Yeah, I think the Heat. It's just so tough because there are obvious advantages that the Heat have in the series. They're better coached. They've got probably the most proven playoff performer in the series, and Jimmy Butler. Um, we've seen we've seen this work before. We've seen them. Absolutely, Giannis, yeah. yeah, tear the heart out of the Bucks. That series was not close. Like, I mean, it really, it, I, God, but I'll ultimately let's make some picks. I'm gonna go with Milwaukee in seven. I think, I, uh, I think they've, I think, like I said, it boiled down to a lack of offensive and defensive versatility, and, and they've with, addressed it. And with PJ Tucker and Drew Holiday, I think they've addressed it. They're at least going to have versatility. Whether that versatility matters, whether that versatility is enough to beat the Heat is going to be an interesting question. But they're not going to be able to just... um, Like the Miami Heat are not going to be able to just do the exact same thing for five games in a row and then win the series like they were last year. Like like the Bucs are at least going to have like some response. Facts. 
I wish this wasn't a first round matchup. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. Because I don't I wish yeah. Back, I, back when it looked like Miami might be able to get to that five seed, had Milwaukee not absolutely stomped them in the second to last game of the season. Yeah. I think this would have been my prediction for conference finals. But as it is, I think I've got to go with Milwaukee in seven in the first round. I damn I it's think gonna be such a good series. This is gonna be the most interesting series in the first round. It's so hard to bet against Jimmy, but I do have to go Bucks in seven as well. I do think it'll go seven though. Callan. Bucks in six. Yeah, that's yeah. not a bad pick. I just went through and made an entire bracket. Oh, it was well, kind of hard. No spoilers. <laughs> What's the next game? The next game, we're going to be going at the Knicks versus ATL. What's ATL stand for? Atlanta. The Hawks. Well, you see, you learn new things all the time when you <laughs> listen to all you know, game. Wait, so, I'm confused. So, Callan, why, why don't you set the stage for this matchup between the Knicks and ATL? God, where do I start? All these good players. Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, <laughs> Trey Young. Uh... Why would this game? Why? Why would? Why would I pick this to go to seven games? I don't know. Do you? I honestly, the more I'm thinking about it, I think that the Knicks might actually win this series, dude. Yeah, I think the Knicks. It's just so tough because we haven't really seen any of these players in, in a playoff, playoff setting. Yeah, yeah. I think just by like intuition, you've got to say Julius Randle between him and Trey Young. Like Julius Randle, I think he was made to play in the playoffs. Like, yeah, he basically. He feeds on tough jump shots, which I yeah, mean, that's, that, that's what you can get in the playoffs. Yeah. He's physical, but he also he also can burn mismatches too because he's um he's quick on. He has speed. a quick first step. Yeah. yeah, so you can't really switch on him and like defend him with a center like Atlanta will probably try to do with Capella. And actually, I think that can work in short spurts because Capella is actually a quicker center. But yeah, Julius Randle he can beat most centers off the bounce and he, and I, actually the reason why it wouldn't work to guard him with capella is he's actually a pretty good playmaker out of the pick and roll too if they tried to guard he him, is if they tried to guard him with capella they could probably just run pick and roll with Orleans and i would trust julius randall to make the reads out of that so i think he's going to be a nightmare who do you think the hawks are going to start out defending him with trey young no, dude, Clint Capella can put the clamps on Julius. I don't think he can. Well, I think maybe one-on-one at times he might be able to guard Julius. Randall, but I don't but think I, they'll put him on him. And yeah, and I just worry they could start running pick and roll with Nerlens Noel, and there would be no like rim protection at that <laughs> point. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know who's going to start on him. Who do you think? I think it'll probably John? be John Collins getting the initial John start. Knows but I, think, I, I don't think that'll go very I well. I think Julius is too physical. Julius oh, will yeah. back Juli- him down. He's too physical and too quick, honestly. John Collins, he's he's very fast like running up and down the court. He's got good like straight line speed. Not lateral his, speed. His hips are still very, very stiff. He doesn't really change directions. He can't really get down in a stance like you would need to. But he's so athletic, Julius he can Randall. recover if he gets beat, though. Uh, but you can't Julius Randle because he's like has a wide frame he's so physical like it's a lot harder to recover and get that block you know what I mean and like yeah. get into that That's play true. he's gonna That's create true. this space he's gonna like demand enough space to shoot what's a Julius's field goal percentage like from like and like three point percentage well three point percentage this it's year, up this year right he's a, yeah he's actually shooting like 42 percent um I think yeah 41.3 percent Overall, 51.8% effective field goal percentage. Obviously, that's pretty miserable, but he also takes a very, like, 
tough selection of he's just, been taking playoff shots all yeah, year he's been taking extremely difficult shots all year and i actually think that's going to help him and very few of them are assisted he takes a lot yeah. of pull-up jumpers he likes to kind of get in his bag back guys down mm-hmm. like work working with like dribble moves or what i'm expecting you. to see him like dominate the series yeah ultimately i don't really think the hawks have a clear answer for him it's going to be by committee it's going to be some john collins it's probably going to be some capella it's probably it's probably going to be capella at the end of games i would say because that's when you would really expect them to go almost exclusively to julius randall isos i think in like the meat of the game it'll be like either john collins or deandre hunter most of the time but hunter's just returning back from injury and even he is probably too small pretty to really... Pretty undersized, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty undersized to compete with Randall. So I, I think that might be tough. I think ultimately it's just going to be a lot of um, hoping Julius Randall misses contested jump shots, <laughs> which, I mean, that certainly could happen. I mean... Yeah, it could. Um, how are the Hawks... How have they been defensively this season? They've been very good when Clint Capella's been That's on the floor. That's what I figured. But yeah, the they Knicks have been so very good. good too, haven't they, defensively? Oh, yeah, the Knicks' defense has been good. Although, I do have All some year. I do have some concerns about how it's going to work against Atlanta. Because New York, they've really benefited from just really good rotations. They actually force a lot of three-pointers. But opponents shoot a bad percentage on threes against the Knicks. But I think the Hawks are an interesting matchup. Because they've got a lot of guys who can shoot, but also play make. And like Bogdan Bogdanovich, yeah. Kevin Herter, Danilo Gallinari. Like I think if you do a Trey Young pick and roll, which is obviously the play that the Hawks run to death, just that Trey Young and then either Clint Capella, John Collins pick and roll, I don't think they're going to let Trey Young get anything easy, especially with Nerlens Noel in the game. It's not like Trey Young's going to be coming off the screen and having a wide-open three-pointer. Nerlens Noel, he does a good job of sort of that playing that cat-and-mouse game. He can get up high enough so that Trey Young won't have a shot and then get back to the rim in time enough to, like, break up a lob to Capella. So I think the only shot Young will really be able to get on a consistent basis is that floater, which he hasn't really been hitting as well this year, although, like, you certainly are fine with him taking that because that's a shot he has proven he can make in the past but I really think it's going to be um I really think it's going to be the second and third attacks for Atlanta when Trey Young gets into the paint penetrates the defense and he kicks it out to Bogdan Bogdanovich or Danilo Gallinari Kevin Herter and the Knicks are forced to rotate out and try to take away that shot then what can Bogdanovich and yeah Herter and Gallin- what can those guys do off I the agree dribble? with that I don't think Trey Young's going to win the series. Yeah, it's it's going to have to be the more like peripheral guys. Dude, yeah. when Bogdan gets hot, it like it gets hot, hot. Yeah, I already just remember when it, yeah. like the two times they played the Warriors, he made like three, four in a row, and it's like, oh Jesus. Yeah, and he's having an unreal shooting series, and I think they're going to need that to continue. I also think they're going to need him to be a playmaker. But I do, I do think the Hawks are a tough matchup for the Knicks defense just because they can really make the Knicks they have like sort of a chaotic defense like they send a lot of bodies to the paint when there's penetration and then they basically rely on the guys to do almost like reckless closeouts and really just run guys off the three-point line yeah of course contested shots and that works against teams like um I'm trying to think of an example well just teams in the regular season honestly that too like you're it would work against like a Philadelphia 76ers if like Ben Simmons gets it into the paint and he kicks it out to like 
Cork Maz or Thibault or Fur Seth Gone. Curry or Danny Green because those are more catch and shoot guys. Yeah. None of them are really gonna attack the. Um, none of them are really gonna attack the closeout and make a play going up against a bent defense. But Bogdan Bogdanovich, he's a he's a pretty intuitive playmaker. Kevin Herter, he's got some juice off the bounce. Like Lou Williams, like the Hawks, the Hawks have some guys who can make you pay if yeah. you're not in position. And so I think that's gonna be an advantage they, they can exploit. Yeah, because yeah, like you said, Herter can even bang threes too, and he's really good at passing, and his vision's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, honestly, because I was thinking, because I was like drawing a blank at first, but Atlanta does have like good players, but mm-hmm. New York Knicks, Julius Randle, there's like nobody that's gonna really stop him besides maybe Clint. So that's what I, I have no idea, honestly. How's Obi been doing lately? Uh, he doesn't really play. He doesn't plays, play. He plays like the five or six minutes that um julius randall doesn't play yeah. so i don't think he's gonna i don't think he's gonna play too large a role in this series i think point guard for the knicks is gonna be an interesting question who's gonna guard trey young Meh. who are their I'm point not guards? worried about it honestly who are their point guards so they start alfred payton oh yeah they've got derrick rose and emmanuel uh-huh. quickly coming mm-hmm. off the bench mm-hmm. Manuel's not bad and then tom thibodeau hinted that we might see some frank nilakina minutes this series which who is um he's probably the best defensive point guard they have on their roster but i also think he might be the most susceptible player in the series just um to fall for all of trey young's foul drawing antics which that's another storyline to kind of monitor because honestly i might rather have a more mature player like d rose out there Mm. yeah and then yeah just have d rose he's you know he's not gonna mess up he's gonna just play within the system and then honestly, just trust um, your sinners because at the end of the day, like Nerlens Noel, um, Taj Gibson, like those guys, those that center play combined with the system that Tom Thibodeau's implemented in New York, like that's the reason. That's the reason they're one of the better defenses in the league. It's not because it's not because of the guard play. It's not because like Derrick Rose or Alfred Payton or R.J. Bear are like clamping people down. Although those guys have all had like fine defensive seasons i i i I agree with chan and i don't necessarily think they really need that elite one-on-one lockdown defender for their defense to kind of be effective yeah do you see do you see a four five or six making to the um eastern conference finals yeah so we'll get there um in due time but um do you guys have any other points about this series before (laughs) Um, we move on to predictions when it comes down to it, I think that D Rose is gonna outperform Trey Young in the big moments, honestly. That's my prediction, if he's given the yeah. opportunity. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think there's definitely a lot of reason to be concerned about how Trey Young is yeah. going to do in the playoffs. Um, because he does rely quite a bit on that foul drawing. He's not very good against switches, not that the Knicks switch too often. I think this is almost like the perfect matchup for Trey Young though because the Knicks um they like they don't switch like I was saying they play a very traditional coverage where Trey Young's going to be able to get downhill. He's going to be able to see a lot of bodies in the paint and then make a read, which is something he's good at doing. So, yeah. while it may not be his best scoring series, I don't really think he's going to be able to get to a ton of shots aside from floaters. Um I do think he's going to maybe find a comfort zone as a playmaker. Yeah. And kind of allow like Bogdanovich to step up. I think this could be a big Bogdan Bogdanovich series. So yeah, 
Um, it's Jonah. Do you guys want to make some predictions? I'm going with the Knicks in six. I'm I'm gonna go with the Hawks in seven. I just think the Hawks have a lot more weapons. John, they have. Yep, John Collins is on their team. Um, yeah, that's the man. <laughs> that's the freaking man. Yeah, I. I just think they have a lot more weapons. They've got a lot of places to go on offense. Um, I think their defense, they don't have a good person to guard Randall with, but I still trust Clint Capella. I honestly think they might have a bit more defensive versatility just because I think there are more things you can do with Capella and Collins than there are things you can do with like Nerland's Noel, who the Knicks defense kind of relies on and that's another thing i would be worried on uh, about is like the reliance on nerland's noel because i i he's been in two playoff series before both with the okc thunder but i don't necessarily trust him as much as i trust capella i just kind of think the hawks they've got they've got a lot more weapons on offense and i kind of trust their defensive scheme and there are just like less fires to put out on the knicks offense like i think Julius Julius Randle, like he should scare the Hawks. They don't really have a perfect one-on-one matchup for him. But aside from Randle, like there's not a ton that I think is keeping Nate McMillan up at night. Whereas if I'm Tom Thibodeau, like I'm probably pretty worried about Bogdanovich. Like obviously I'm worried about Trey Young, like Collins Capella. Like they, I think the 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 Hawks they just have Mc McMillan just has a lot more toys to play with. I even think mm-hmm. like Danilo Gallinari could have a pretty solid series. So. I'm going to go with Hawks in seven. It'd be sick to have two seven-game first-round series in the East. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to go Knicks seven, but like you said, Jonah, it I literally could go either way. Knicks in seven is a good one, too, because obviously a game seven would be played at Madison Square Garden. and Damn. That's a tough environment to go out and win a game seven in if you're Atlanta. That would be fun. No, yeah, for sure. That would be a fun one. All right. So That's the freaking East. Let's get over to the Western Conference now where there are some – Good series as well. And I think the place to start is the Utah Jazz and the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, you want to start at the top? Yeah, just like we did in the other conference. Yeah. Um, cool. Memphis, new edition, you know. Wait, sorry. Actually, before we do this, do you guys want to do the same order or should we save the Trailblazers for last? We can do the same order. I don't care. Okay. I don't care. Okay. Who, who even cares about NBA right. anymore at this point, you know? No. <laughs> All right, Utah, Memphis. I think is Donovan Mitchell healthy? Yep, he'll be good to go. He'll probably, obviously, be working his way kind of back into shape. But um, so they don't play till when Sunday? Yeah, their game will be on Sunday. Um, I think the place to start is we saw John ja Morant tear the heart out of Golden State tonight <laughs> on their home court. What's he going to be able to do against Utah? Um, <laughs> you got Rudy Gobert down there. Yeah, I, I mean, hey, getting past the guy at the top is going to be easy. It's it's honestly easy for John, no matter who he's lined up against. I but mean, that's kind of that's kind of what Utah wants, though. They want, yeah, exactly. They, they want you to get past that guy and then yeah. have to take on Gobert. It's like a trap almost. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, Jaw seems to get like he seems to be pretty good at like making plays off of that and like but it, a lot of times it feels like luck like it feels like like i remember there was a play tonight where he came down and then he kind of just had to throw some pass and it like got tipped and ended up in the corner but like i feel like he kind of is out of control a lot you know what i mean yeah and that definitely is not gonna work against no because he just kind of relies on like his hang time and that playmaking but like 
Gobert's going to be up there with them the whole time. Yeah, and they've got a lot of, like, smart defenders, too. Yeah. Like, Conley, Ingles, like, even Donovan Mitchell, Royce O'Neal. Like, they might not be the best, like, individual defenders, but they play as a team pretty well. Like, they're going to be able to, like... I think they're going to be making yeah. a lot of steals off those passes, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think John Morant, his game is almost going to be kind of completely ineffective. Yeah. And Jaw's not going to hit five plus three-pointers. Yeah, the Jazz, that's, that's a good point. The Jazz are going to continue to dare him like, to shoot. Like, so dumb, bro. Yeah. And then Valanchunas, who's really been Memphis's best player throughout, like, the second half of the season, he really has no advantage to try to attack in this series. No. Like, mm. he is a great offensive rebounder, but, I mean, you're not going to really be doing that against Gobert. Like, he's a physical presence, but I just... I just kind of think Gobert can do similar things and just a lot better than Valanciunas. Like, yeah, God knows they're not going to be able to post up Valanciunas against Gobert. Just a lot of tough matchups. Um, Jaron Jackson, he could maybe provide an interesting element into the series just because, um, like, you can't really guard him with Gobert because that would make, um, just because you, that would take Gobert out of the paint and that's not what the jazz want to do and then bogdanovich probably maybe a little bit slow maybe a little bit unathletic you could probably see them maybe run some post-ups maybe even try to get the ball into jaron's hands for some face-ups i think jaron jackson might be the one grizzly player who can really get it going on offense this series probably why, why wasn't he playing the second half of the game well, he's been quite miserable since he's come back <laughs> from his knee injury this season. And so, like, in the last few minutes of a crucial, crucial game, he just isn't really the guy Taylor Jenkins trusts at this point. Mm-hmm. Honestly, for me, a team like Utah, they're not going to lose a game to a team that's worse than them in the playoffs. You know what I mean? That's basically kind of been what they've done for most of the year yeah. is just winning the games they're supposed to win. Yeah. I don't see them dropping games like we talked about Brooklyn might do. Mm-hmm. But um I just feel like Utah is, has is too well put together for that. Like this Grizzlies team I yeah. I just don't think it's in there for them to break that. I think that's a great point and that's kind of what the um what Memphis ha- or what Utah's done so well all year is just kind of almost have this predatory offense that can just kind of feast on missed rotations. Yeah. And it's really comes down to like all five guys on the floor besides Gobert being able to like shoot, dribble and pass. And Gobert um, obviously is this great screen setter and this great vertical threat. I almost think like this is something the Warriors do really well too, is just a lot of movement forcing guys to like make um, quick, smart decisions on defense. But I almost think this is even more challenging because with the Warriors, it's like priority one, the only priority. Just don't let Steph Curry get loose. And if you have a really good defender like Dylan Brooks, you can put him on Steph Curry and just almost have him be a shadow. With the Jazz, you don't really have that luxury because there's not really one guy who you're more scared of than anyone else because on any given on any, on any any given night, on any given quarter and like on any given play like Ingles could hurt you Bogdanovich could hurt you Mitchell could hurt you Facts. Conley could hurt you and like the minute Grayson Allen or John Morant like the minute one of those like young guys misses a rotation it's just going to be a wide open yeah. three and so I really just think this That's is so dumb. I really think this is just a series where the Grizzlies like their offense their offense can get stuck in the mud because they don't have a lot of shooting on that roster they take a ton of mid-rangers they take a ton of floaters um and so the, when when they go cold it can look pretty ugly 
just because yeah. like without three three ball it's just tough to get a lot of points at once and so i think you could see their offense get stuck in the mud and then on Definitely. the other on the other end i think the jazz are just going to be kind of they're just going to be putting bomb. them in yeah. yeah i think i think this is a maybe a four gamer yeah i agree definitely i jazz to me has just been the tighter team and the yeah. games they've won this year like a lot of them that's just been the thing is like they were on their stuff better than the other team and memphis is not I also think the Jazz are going to be hungry. Like all they've heard is, "Oh, this is a great regular season team, but yeah. let's hear it in the playoffs." I think that's how I feel. Though I think <laughs> they're, I think they're going to be motivated to come out here and just kind of knock somebody's teeth out right yeah, off the bat. They might be the only ones they get to do it too. In my yeah, opinion, so. yeah, I agree. Because I, I, th- I think that's a good point. They could win the series really without addressing any of my concerns about how yeah. what kind of playoff team they are. Same. Although they'll be forced to possibly play the clippers in the second round which i think that might go a lot differently but yeah I, I think the jazz i think the jazz sweep the grizzlies i don't think any of the games are going to be particularly close i think no. i think this series i think there could be some games that get pretty ugly yeah I, yeah i agree i think right off the shoot like the first game i think memphis could give him a run and maybe win I and think then, off the shoot, the Jazz are going like, to oh, get up by 20 in like, oh, the first yeah. half. Yeah, because the Jazz are going to be well-rested. Memphis just played probably the most – well, not probably. They just played the most important game of the season yeah. that went into overtime. Like, John Morant played 46 Five. minutes. All those guys played a ton of minutes. Now they're going to fly to Utah where they have to play a game on Sunday in elevation. Utah's been given a whole week to rest. They've been given a whole week to prepare. Facts. I, th- I think game one is going to get pretty ugly. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I, I'm, I'm giving, I'm doing Utah in five. Also, you've got to think about the emotional letdown for Memphis because as, as nice as it is to be in the playoffs and as cool as it's going to be for like John, those guys to get experience, like this Golden State game is honestly going to be like bigger than any game that they're going to play against the jazz like oh, yeah yeah like that they probably just finished like their most high stakes game of the season yeah and i don't think they expect to win this series no i yeah no. there's no way no this is all about just getting experience for the for the young guys all oh right so God. this is so stupid me and Shannon have utah in four Callan has utah in five sure how about Fucking Warriors in five, bro. <laughs> yeah. God dang, man. Whatever. Actually, I would have Warriors in six. Would you guys like to talk about how we think Warriors, Warriors series would have gone? No, we're, we're going to spend enough time on the rest of these series. Okay. Um, wait, actually, we should save the Blazers for last. I changed my mind. Okay. So, Phoenix against the Lakers. Okay. Dude, Lakers in seven. The defending champions. No one's touching LeBron, dude. I think a lot of it's going to depend on how what LeBron we get because he was wonderful in the game against Golden State. He in really, the second half. He, yeah. Well, he even, in the second half. He no, was he had one field goal in the first half. Yeah, but I think he he like they were a lot better when he was on the floor in the first mm, half. Like sure. They I think LeBron he really allows them to kind of get out in transition, which is where the Lakers have always been at their best. So I just think yeah. having that makes all the difference in the yeah. world. But he definitely wasn't at like his physical peak against no. the Warriors. Like he was, you could definitely tell the ankle was bothering him mm-hmm. quite a bit, and so that's concerning. Yeah, I, I think that is concerning. Um, yeah, but ultimately, I think we've been talking about excited to see Booker in the playoffs all oh, year. Oh yeah, but 
I think this is a pretty tough matchup too, though, because the Lakers they've got good guard defenders. Yeah, I think Caruso. Caruso is one of the best defensive guards in the league. He is honestly. He's he is he's very good. KCP solid. KCP. You know who I think could be interesting on Booker is, as I'm saying this, I thought of another guy, but I think Talon Horton Tucker on one hand could yeah. maybe be interesting, but I, I think he's probably too inexperienced. Like I think Booker might be able to abuse him off the ball a little bit. I yeah. Think. I think once you get Talon, I think one-on-one he might be able to survive, but I think just off the ball and just being... He might get lost a little bit. Yeah, I think just having to run with Booker, because Booker, he's an active cutter. He's a very intelligent player. I just think that might be a little much for Horton Tucker to handle. But Wesley Matthews... That's what I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Really experienced defender. I think I think he'd end up... I think Booker might leave some tread marks on him in the end just yeah. because I think they could bring the ball out, run some pick and roll, just maybe get Wesley Matthews in space. And I don't think Wesley Matthews is going to be nearly quick enough. But like I think Wesley Matthews, he'd make Booker work for it because he would be very rough with Devin. Yeah, and he saw it in the post too, which is where Booker's yeah, really, really good. Exactly, yeah. He's a big, strong, physical defender. Yeah. Yeah, I think he'd, he'd make Booker uncomfortable even if I don't think he's like the perfect matchup. Ultimately, I think Caldwell Pope is probably going to get the most time for yeah. Booker just because he's a solid defender and he's like their starting shooting guard. And right. So I just think like keeping it simple, but yeah, yeah. But and they do have options. Yeah, I think Schroeder, no place for him in this. Series. Have you watched any of his other YouTube videos though? No, I kind of hate <laughs> Schroeder. Really? His yeah. YouTube videos are dope. Really? <laughs> yeah, I watch them all the time. Yeah, I I'm not a Schroeder guy. You don't um, think he'll do anything in this series? No. Really? Yeah, I think, and I we said this at the time, and I'll say it again. I think the Lakers are gonna regret that trade. I think they lost that trade. I think they really would much rather. Would have they give up Danny Green? And I think I know, they would much rather have Danny Green because, like, what's what's Schroeder like re- really giving you? Like in in the last like ten minutes of a playoff game, or even like in the first quarter of a playoff game. Are you going to take the ball out of LeBron James' hands so you can run a pick and roll with Dennis Schroeder? And like he's, it might be like a swing swing situation like sure, uh, yeah, he makes he, a play. He could attack a closeout. That's a good point. Um, I think I no, I think he's a better He's been a horrible shooter though, so it's not yeah. like teams are going to close out to him that hard and he's been a complete liability on defense. Like Steph yeah. Curry ate him for breakfast, lunch and dinner in that playing game. Like that 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 was ultimately the reason Vogel called a timeout with like two minutes left and put Alex Caruso back in, who I actually think Alex Caruso is poised to have an amazing series. I think Caruso is going to be awesome. I can't say the same about Schroeder. <laughs> Do you like Alex Caruso now? Oh, I wait. When have I? Not you never li- You didn't like him. I remember when we were doing a pod and you don't like him. Well, I mean, I I don't really. I wouldn't say I like. Per se, anybody like, the Lakers, but I mean, I think nah. I think he's a really good <laughs> basketball player. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Alex Caruso. He he's gonna have a very good series. I think he's gonna be their best matchup on Chris Paul. Um, no one's guarding CP. I mean, no, no, you can't can guard definitely. him. CP's can't guard him. CP is gonna have CP is not gonna have a good series. <laughs> really? Yeah, because. <laughs> Um, what he's so wonderful at is like getting into the pick and roll, finding yeah, how his, you guard that guy, finding his spots, like getting to the elbow, taking that little step back jumper to the yeah, right. Yeah, that was like and that works ten again. to sixteen foot jumpers. Yeah, and that works so well because there's no big man in the NBA who can guard that except for Anthony Davis. Like, yeah, when you've got and actually when when the Lakers are in their more traditional lineups, like when it's 
like he, he would abuse Andre Drummond. Like yes, if, Andre's if, is literally Walmart version of Anthony Davis when they wear their long when they wear their white t-shirts underneath their jerseys it's so dumb i used to think it was ad i was like dude why does ad suck because <laughs> was guarding him and i was like oh wait that's not ad because <laughs> yeah so i think drummond um Harold, i don't like drummond at all gasol they i think paul would be able to do well against all those guys but not AD. I, I think eventually vogel will just find religion and start playing anthony davis at center <laughs> and i think at that point that's that's really i think I think at that point you're just kind of turning the faucet completely off for Chris Paul at that point. Like he doesn't really have anywhere to turn there. Um, He's going to make some plays, but he's not going to take over a game. I don't really think even he's going to make any plays because like what plays are there going to be to make? Like um, if they just like kind of switch it with Anthony Davis, like maybe like maybe they'll run some off ball action and get Devin Booker or like Mikhail Bridges loose. But I just almost think it's a stone wall at that point. Yeah. Like, I don't really think there's anything for, um, for like, I don't think there are going to be any advantages for the Suns to press on offense when it's Anthony Davis at center. Um, and I think, like, I don't think, I maybe they can just run. Like, How would they know. even stop LeBron and AD on defense? Though? Yeah. And, and yeah. And like the Suns, they're not a good transition defense. They've been a very solid half-court defense, although that's really waned as the season's progressed. But they're the third-worst defense in the league in terms of points per possession off of uh, off of missed shots. So basically, like teams can rebound and then get out in transition and score really effectively against the Suns which is basically the Lakers' like favorite thing to do. Like LeBron loves like getting the rebounds and like finding 80 or finding Drummond or just like running it down and cutting Caruso. Yeah, I really God damn it. I think this I think the Lakers are really going to be able to get up and down the court and I do think the Suns are going to be missing quite a few shots. I think if Aiden maybe can assert his presence that he might help things a little bit. The... Yeah, but I really if see that. if if it's a if if it's eighty at center and he's guarding Aiden, and then the the Suns like run CP Aiden pick and roll, and they switch it and get Anthony Davis on Chris Paul, I think Anthony Davis can force Chris Paul to miss. But at that point, it's probably like Caruso or KCP guarding Aiden, and so Aiden might have a size mismatch yeah. inside. But the Lakers are just so smart. Like LeBron James is just so freaking smart on defense. Like he would be able to make sort of like that backdoor like defensive um help rotation like or yeah. crash in and get the rebound they're not gonna tear the you're not the lakers aren't a team you tear apart on plays yeah, like the, that the lakers are just too smart for yeah. any sort of like tricks to work i think i also have a ton of respect for frank vogel as a defensive yeah. coach i really like the lakers in the series on the other hand yeah. i don't really think the suns have a good matchup for lebron james i think jay crowder um, we talk about we've talked about this a few times, but Jay Crowder is a guy who like LeBron James won't be able to bully him. He's not going to be able to take Jay Crowder in the post, but like LeBron James, he hasn't really tried to take anybody in the post. Well, yeah, for, like, LeBron last... doesn't have to do a specific thing yeah. to be effective. That's the thing. Yeah, and I don't really think at this point in his career he really has the appetite to bully guys. Anymore. Yeah, I think yeah. he much more want to play on the perimeter, maybe run some pick and roll, like just kind of be a playmaker. And I think he'll be able to do a really good job of that against um, against the Suns. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, one of the best defenders in the league, but they don't really have a spot to put him. I mean, if Schroeder's in the game and Mikhail Bridges is guarding Schroeder, I think you'd see Mikhail Bridges 
like pick Schroeder's pocket a couple times, get some steals there. But I think if instead of Schroeder, they have like Wes Matthews or Talon Horton Tucker or Caruso or just one of those more off ball guys. I just think like at that point, what impact is Mikhail Bridges making? Like you're kind of just relegating him to an off ball defender and maybe he'll get a steal every now and then. But you're not really allowing him to have the impact that he'd be able to have if you had Schroeder or you had like some point guard where um, Bridges could actually defend the point of attack. Like if you don't allow Mikhail Bridges to defend the point of attack, you're really limiting the effect he can have on a game, if that makes sense. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. So Dang, that's honestly really disappointing because I was excited about the Suns, but this is a terrible matchup. Yeah, this is a terrible matchup. I was excited for him too. Um, And yeah, it does suck because honestly, it sucks because they're a young team, but I think you've gotta say the clock is ticking on him because because of cp3 yeah and without cp3 like what how are they going to address point guard they don't without cp3 this is a bottom seed if only they had drafted tyrese halliburton mm-hmm. instead of Jalen smith what that Damn. that could be catastrophic that's when, perfect that's the backcourt i wanted yeah that's the backcourt i wanted in my yeah in our draft but yeah, I I, mean, I don't want to get I don't want to get too far into the big picture right now. But um, yeah, it seems like it's just it's tough to see the road forward for Phoenix from here. I don't I don't think yeah. they're gonna beat the Lakers. No, we, me either. No. I think we've analyzed the series enough. I'm gonna go Lakers in six. That's what I'm going to. Lakers seven. That'd be exciting. All right, now for the... Damn, it's sad. I want to see CP3 and Booker go far. It sucks. Now for the Clifford's Mavericks series, we're going to phone in our um, Mavericks expert. Hayden. Zefka. Phone him in, baby. There's got to be a better way to do this. Maybe if I did FaceTime. Yeah, just FaceTime him. Hayden. what's up, Hayden? What's up, Jonah? (laughs) Hayden, what's going on, man? What's up, Kellen? What's up, Hayden? Hey, I'm a little depressed right now. Not gonna lie, dude. That was a uh, that was a tough game to watch, but a uh, fantastic game at that. John Morant needed that game. He needed a bounce back game, and he got it. Those were some awesome, awesome shots in the final minutes. Yeah, awesome wide open three balls he was hitting. He's so dumb, <laughs> so freaking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's whatever. Your Mavs, bro. Mavs clip. Mavs. Mavs clips. What's gonna happen? It is all about lineups and i will come out in the beginning and say that maxi kleba needs to be healthy and Kristaps needs to be at at least 80 percent of what he is fully right. for the maps out of a shot if maxi doesn't play i i could see the clips winning in five maybe six uh, maxi needs to play because he did a great job on Kawhi leonard last year uh i think maxi is underrated and his defense is just needed because he's one of the only guys on the team that has the size as well as the speed that can keep up with Kawhi and PG. Uh, now, saying that, the Clippers will need somebody else to score. Losing Lou Williams is going to hurt them. And if Marcus Morris is really your guy, like if, if that's your third scorer, then I feel pretty confident in the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is shooting about... 50% from three, but I want to say that's only on four or five attempts per game, so not a ton. I want to see what happens if he's taking eight, nine, or ten a game if he keeps up that 50% shooting. 
Tim Hardaway, Jalen Brunson, Maxi, all shooting around 40% for the Mavs. Jalen. Max in the lineup. We can run him at center. We can spread out the floor. And I see a lot of drive and pass from Luca Hardaway. I see, I, see, I see a lot of wide open shots. Yeah, and I think to the point about like the uh, penetration for the Mavericks, I think that's really where we're going to see Jalen Brunson come into yeah. importance yeah. during this season. Who's really had... Six man of the year snub. I agree. He, he was in my he was in my top three along with uh Thad Young and Joe Ingles. So yep. I would have to agree with you there. But yeah, I really think this is a series that really kind of gave me fits last year because I picked the Clippers to win in five and they did end up winning in six, but it was a much more competitive series than I expected, especially when Chris Dops Porzingis was healthy for what was that like the first three games and yeah and and, well like like two and a half because he got ejected for one of them yeah he got ejected in game one and i want to say they had a pretty sizable lead when he was ejected like a 10 point lead and only when kp left were the clippers really able to come back in that game i think Um, oh go ahead oh i will say it will be tough not having seth curry Trey Burke needs to do what he did last year because the lot not having Seth Curry this year has hurt us at times. It's nice having Josh Richardson, but what's the point of having Josh Richardson if he's not able to lock up uh, Kawhi and or Paul George half of the time? So not having Seth is going to hurt, and Josh Richardson needs to be able to step up in these in these games, specifically this series. This is a series we got him for. We we weren't thinking about any other team when we got Richardson. Yeah, I completely agree, especially given the series and some of the games Paul George was able to have against the Mavericks. Ultimately, it was a very underwhelming playoffs for Paul George, but he was able to get loose against the Mavs. And yeah, I think I think that's a good point. That is probably what the base matchup for Rick Carlisle is going to be. You're probably starting out with Kleba on Kawhi Leonard, which I am a little bit concerned about. Kleba just, he hasn't seemed to have the same athleticism this year coming back from COVID. I think the shooting has been better than ever for Maxi Kleba. That's been a huge development. But I think like the foot speed, I just, I don't think he's the defender he was um, in, in 2020. Um, but yeah, Richardson, that's absolutely right. They traded for him for this exact series. I do like him against Paul George just because he can get over screens. He'll be able to stay attached to PG when he's the uh, pick-and-roll ball handler. But ultimately, I might be a little concerned Paul George can just kind of shoot over him. Paul George has just been so effective, like, coming around that screen and working it into a little step back. He's just so crafty in the way he gets separation that I still yeah, think— he's been really good. I ultimately he's think— had, He's had a great year. He's had a great year. Yeah, and I, I think Richardson will be able to slow him down. But I think I agree with you. I don't know if the trade-off is worth it. I think Seth Curry's offense was just so valuable to what the Mavericks did yeah. last year. And I ultimately don't know if Richardson's defense is going to like make the impact that Curry's offense did, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, one, 100%. 100%. I think Finney Smith has to have a game. And so, so does Luca. Luca and Finney mm-hmm. Smith both have both have to be able to step up on the defensive end. You're, you're not going to have to worry about Pat Bev or Reggie Jackson sco- Reggie Jackson scoring. You're going to have to be able to, if the Clippers run a bunch of screens, be able to switch on to Paul George, switch on to Kawhi, and just force them into a mid range 
or a contested layup maybe by Porzingis or Powell, you, you, they're going to have to take some defensive energy and, and not just save that all for offense. Exactly. And then on the other end, I think KP, um, he's going to be able to make life pretty hard for the Clippers because he's just going to be able to probably spread the defense out and give Luka and Brunson and Hardaway even more room to work with. I think especially in probably the starting lineups, I think the Clippers will probably start with Zubots as the center. And I think KP is going to be able to take advantage of that. I think by the end of the series, we're probably going to be seeing a lot more Serge Ibaka, probably even Marcus Morris. I think they're going to go to Marcus Morris at center just because like KP, I don't think he's going to really be able to like make them pay for playing Marcus Morris at center. Like I don't think KP is taking Morris to the post. He's not really going to have a huge advantage, like offensive rebounding. I think on the other end, getting Porzingis out in space, having to guard a 48% shooter like Marcus jacked. Morris, that could pose some issues. So it's it's going to be interesting. It's kind of my it's kind of my um, prediction that this series is going to get a lot smaller as the games go along. Um, the Clippers are going to probably phase out Zubots. I don't think we're going to see any DeMarcus Cousins. I think it's going to be much more of like a Marcus Morris, Serge Ibaka type of series. And I, I could see a lot of play from Nicholas Batum and Luke Kennard if they can stay speedy for a game. I could see the Clippers playing them a lot. I'm interested to see how much the Mavericks play Boban because last year he got a decent amount of minutes in the series, and a lot of that was on Montrezl Harold. And the size difference killed, like, like Boban killed Montrez only because of the size difference. And I'm interested to see if they'll still go back to Boban if you put a smaller guy like Morris or Ibaka in there and then have KP at power forward or Maxi at power forward. Yeah, I think, and I think that could work, especially in the um, Clippers base lineups with like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and Marcus Morris because those lineups, they really aren't so predicated on getting shots at the basket. So they're probably not going to be like exposing Boban for his lack of foot speed. I would, if I was Ty Lue and Boban came into the game, I think my first counter would be to put in Rajon Rondo, who I actually think could make life really hard. You could get Boban out in space, have Rondo, who's going to penetrate the ball, force the Mavericks to make rotations, and then make the right read to set up like a Marcus Morris or a Paul George or just all sorts of shooters on the outside. But yeah, I think like in the absence of a traditional point guard, which I think there will be minutes, like even if Patrick Beverly's on the floor as the point guard or Reggie Jackson, like I do think Boban would have specific advantages in those situations that might be worth exploring. I, ultimately, I think like Boban's like lack of defensive versatility, like his lack of his lack of being able to do anything other than just kind of be tall and stand in the paint. I just think that'll make him a little bit hard to play. But yeah, I he'll, he'll only be in there for certain lineups. Yeah. Um, and then towards the end of games, what what do you think the Mavericks are going to be going to? Like, what do you think is the best five-man grouping for Dallas? I would like to see Brunson, Luca, Hardaway. Now, that's a pretty small three-man only. Oh, and, and, and that's not to say Luca's small by any means, but you don't want Luca exerting all of his energy on defense. And then Maxi and Porzingis at the four and five. I'd like I'd like to see how Powell matches up versus the Clippers in a seven game series. He was awesome a year ago. The injury has set him back a little this year. I if if he's able to run to the rim 
like he was uh, two seasons ago or one season ago, whenever it was before his injury. I would love to see that because I think he can expose Zubak because he has a step on him. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I think this series is a total chess match. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I think everybody healthy, this goes to seven games easily. Um, hopefully Maxi can play. And then even without Maxi, I still have a little bit of hope, but not nearly as much. And I think if it is a chess match, I think you've got to give the advantage to Rick Carlisle. I think he's yeah. uh, probably. I think he easily has the coaching advantage over Ty Lu. I think what I what would be keeping me up at night if I were Rick Carlisle is just like the the Clippers' ability to switch at the end of games. I think if they go to lineups, I think their best lineups are probably going to be Beverly, George, Leonard, Batum, Morris. And they can pretty much just switch one through five with that group, and I think that'll make, I think that'll make life very hard on the Mavericks because, like, they don't really have any. I don't. I don't think any of their players are like super comfortable, aside from Luca in just straight one-on-one situations. I think. I think the Mavericks like their offense has worked so well in the past, like two years, but that's more predicated on like getting getting into the middle of the defense like forcing rotations um yes. leaning on Lucas passing leaning on KP's like incredible floor spacing i just think in terms of just one on one players they don't really have a ton of like great isolationists yeah now i tim tim hardaway so, yeah needs to step up because like the reason that the series was so competitive last year was because Trey Burke and Seth Curry were just on fire, and they were able to get the, They were able to win those one-on-one matchups. We need to be able to create that and win those again with players outside of Luca, outside of Porzingis in the post. Hardaway, Finney Smith might be able to get a couple drives. Brunson needs to be able to command the offense when Doncic is in. When when he isn't in, we need to be able to win outside of Luca. Yeah, I think I think that's a good assessment, and I think the Clippers really have I think the Clippers that's got to be their number one priority and I think that'll be something they really force Dallas to do um I guess just a few more questions what do you think of JJ Redick um is is he going to even be healthy for this series um he's listed as out for the first game I know um I would hope that he gets healthy um, he's only been in a limited number of games for us I want to say um, yeah I'm looking at it right now he's only been in 13. Um, so I would love to see him in the lineup, but I don't know a great spot for him just because of his size. Um, because I think at that point you're having to stick him on, um, maybe Rondo. I could, I, cause I do see Rondo playing a lot of minutes in this series because I think he'll give Luca more trouble than Pat Bev. We saw what Luca did to Pat Bev last year. It wasn't pretty. It was kind of a massacre. So I definitely see Rondo getting more minutes and I don't know if I want Redick on a Rondo or even a Reggie Jackson. Um, so I don't know if he will be playing a whole lot. Yeah, and then I I think the other thing I would say about Redick as well is just he's one of those guys where it does take quite a bit of time because he's one of those players where to be effective, he really needs to kind of build that chemistry with his teammates. Like they need to be able to have that feel of when to set screens for him. Like they need to get into the rhythm of his off-ball movement. He, You really need to run plays for JJ in order to like maximize his effectiveness. And I just don't really think that'll be one of the 
something Rick Carlisle like wants to go to over the course yeah. of the series. Yeah, I, I am with you there. I'm with you there. All right, so should we move into some predictions unless you have anything else to talk about for the series? No, I that's uh, that's all I have to say. All right. <laughs> Ch- Channon, do you want to start us off with your prediction for this series? Um, I think I have to go with the Clippers in six on this one. I'm just I'm hoping that Paul George is going to continue at the play he's had this season. He's been so much better. Last year I had him in my least favorite NBA players top five but I've been really impressed with Paul George this year I think Kawhi is just so good in the playoffs I do think I like what you talk about with Maxi. I think he'd be really important but um Kawhi is just so good in the playoffs dude I don't know I think I gotta go clips in six Kellen do you have a prediction for this one well uh in my bracket I made I said LAC in five but I have no idea I'll do I'll do I'll agree with Shannon and I'll go Nah, fuck it. We'll go. Se- we'll say seven game series. Clippers win. Wow, big hedge, big hedge by Colin right there. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. I I think I'm. I think I have to go with Kellen's initial prediction. I I think I have to go Clippers in five. I think the reason the Mavericks were able to keep it so competitive last year was like a because it was just. It seems like the bubble really hit the Clippers way worse than any other team. But also yeah. just because their offense, they were they were really just able to outscore the Clippers, and part of that was due to Luka Doncic's brilliance. Which I mean, I think you'd have to expect that to continue. I mean, I think if anything, he might be a little better than he was last year, just because of how much the shooting has improved, especially in the last couple of months. But I, I think the Clippers, they've got even more defensive versatility. I think having um, Serge Ibaka as a center is really going to help, as opposed to. Montrez Harrell, who was quite miserable in the playoffs last year, and Zubats, who's a pretty limited defender in his own right. Like I said before, I think we'll see this series get a lot smaller as it goes along. I think we'll see a lot of minutes with Morris at center. I think we're going to see a lot of switching from the Clippers, and I just think that makes life pretty hard on the Mavericks. Um, I think they're going to just force individual Mavericks players to beat them, and I, I I, I just... I just don't think the Mavericks like have the horses to really outscore them. I, I what gives me pause is how much the Clippers um rely on shooting. They've been one of the best three point shooting teams of all time. They shoot above forty percent as a team. So you worry that maybe one cold spell and like that's really all the Mavericks need to make this series a nail biter. But um yeah. Yeah, ultimately, I just kind of trust what the Clippers do on offense. I think they have a lot more defensive versatility than the Mavericks do. I think the Mavericks are a little bit hurt by how much their offense relies on Kristaps' floor spacing just because I think Kristaps forces them to maybe have a bit more limited of a defense. And so I I, I just kind of like... I like the Clippers' versatility more than the Mavs, and that's really what matters to me in the playoffs. So I think I think I'm going LA in five. What about you, Hayden? What's your prediction for this series? My prediction for this series, and it might be a homer pick, but I am going to pick the Mavericks in seven because we have wanted this matchup ever since uh, it we we our uh, season ended last year in the bubble. We have wanted the Clippers. I'm happy that the Clippers tanked and were scared of the Lakers because I wanted this matchup first round. I think we're going to come out with a ferocity, and we're going to take it to LA. We're going to beat them at set. We're going to beat them in seven, and uh, I I see Luca just going on a tear. So hey. you think Luca's the best player in this series by far? You think at the end we're giving him MVP of the series? I, I think Luca will be the best. 
uh, in this series. The issue is, in my heart, I know that Kawhi and PG are the second and third best players. Um, and that, so Kristaps yeah. really needs to fill that void. And Kristaps and needs to have a good series. And I, and I think he will. I think he'll be able to fly around. But I think Luka far and away, what he does for his team, if you switched Kawhi and Luka, then this series would be a no-brainer in my mind. Like, the Clippers would run away with it because Luka can command the Clippers so much more. Yeah, and that's really been one of the things that's kind of made me so excited for this playoffs is not only are we sort of competing to see who the best team is, but, like, I think the title of best player in the NBA is very much up for grabs right now. And, I mean, if Luka can somehow lead this Mavericks team past the Clippers, they're going to play the Jazz in the next round. Like, Luka, he definitely has it. He's going to have a chance to add the next chapter to the legend in this postseason. And, I mean, we've seen it work against the Mavericks, even in the, or in, against the Clippers, sorry, even in the games Dallas lost last year. Like, I think you'd be hard-pressed to say that Luka had anything other than an incredible series against LA. So we know it can work. Um, I'll be curious to see who um, the Clippers defend Luka with, whether they go to Kawhi more often, which it seems like they were kind of holding back on that a little bit last year. They only did it near the end of the series. Um, and I think it's because they were trying to uh, like conserve his energy for offense, which I think is due to the lack of chemistry that they had. I, mm-hmm. I still don't think they're great, great chemistry-wise, but yeah. I would love to see the Kawhi and Luka matchup more because those were just so fun to watch at the end of last series. Yeah, well, this ought to be, if nothing else, I think this is going to be a very exciting series. I think we're yes. going to get some great games. We're going to get Luka, Kawhi, Paul George just going at it. Like this is going to be a fun series and so i'm i'm excited to, i'm excited to talk more with you as the series goes on cuz i think we're i think we're going to get to see some pretty exciting stuff so thanks for stopping by the pod hayden this has been a lot of fun bye hayden no problem thank you, you guys take care bye. bye all right so some very interesting he was analysis. an expert bro he yeah. knows so much about everything yeah. football baseball basketball expert. He's so knowledgeable. So it appears we have come down. We've arrived at to final the final series. series of the first round, gentlemen, and that would be a certain team from a certain Pacific Northwest series that starts with P, ends, with, ends D, with Orland, and in the middle is Orland, <laughs> and that's the Portland Trailblazers against the Denver Nuggets. Yes, sir. The matchup we have been successful in in past playoff runs. Yes, that is good recollection. This is a, <laughs> this is a series that took place in 2019 that involved the Blazers beating the Nuggets on their home floor due to some CJ McCollum heroics. Woo! The block with, off the backboard, baby. Yeah, with some um, a little help from Evan Turner and Zach Ooh, Collins, the Boston Celtics coach. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and so yeah, we've got the rematch. This series surprisingly enough, has been pretty much labeled a pick not only by Vegas, but by pretty much um, experts from every media outlet across the basketball world. And we're going to talk about whether or not we agree with that. What does that this, mean? Everyone thinks it's Denver's going to win? Shot. No, it's a 50-50 shot. Oh, there are okay, people okay. picking Portland. There are people picking oh, the Nuggets. Okay, okay. I think we've got to start with the MVP, Nikola Jokic. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, baby. Here's the problem for the MVP. And the league has to understand this. 
I know of one specific player who lines up for the Portland Trailblazers that seems to have a little bit of beef with the MVP. Do we all know who I'm referring to? My apologies. I couldn't hear what you said. Yusuf Nurkic <laughs> plays like a beast against him. Yeah. I don't know if it's because of the fact that he played for Denver before or what. Yeah. But Yusuf Nurkic <laughs> plays like a beast. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think Nurkic we talk about it all the time. An engaged Nurkic is just an absolute beast. And yes, like this is going to be he as will be engaged. engaged. As we've ever he will seen be him. engaged. Yeah, and that makes it so much easier for Mr. Damian Lillard. Anyways, no, Nico Jokic is going to be a good player because he is a good player. But <laughs> hot take. <laughs> um, and something that was like very instructive to me is watching the Lakers games. And I know I've talked about this before, but the Lakers do a better job, um, a better job than any other team in the NBA at defending Nikola Jokic. And what they do is they can get a big physical center guarding Jokic, like a uh, Dwight Howard in the past or in this season, Marc Gasol. And then they have Anthony Davis and um, the Nuggets have plenty of non-shooters. So there are plenty of guys to help off of. And so to have a guy who can really kind of be a foil to Jokic in the post and then have a guy who can kind of clean up and send a double once you know the shot's coming. That is just a, such an effective recipe. And I really think the Blazers can replicate that using um, Nurkic and Robert Covington. And yep. I, something that's been talked about a lot is people saying Covington is going to guard Michael Porter Jr. I really don't think that's a good idea at all. Yeah, no, I would, I would rather have him available to help off Jokic. I think that's more valuable. I don't see mm-hmm. I don't see if Michael Porter Jr. has an amazing series, I think Denver probably wins, honestly. Like if he plays out of his mind, I think that like it's hard for us because yeah. I think that I think it's much more valuable for us to bet on him not doing that yeah. and to have Covington available for that. And even even if he does go off, I still don't know if I would pick Denver yeah. to win the series. But yeah, I think what we've got to do is I think we just have to prevent Jokic from being a score. And so I think Yeah, that, I, yeah, we just have to get him out of situations where he's the the game's in his hands and his yeah. ability to score. I think that involves um Nurkic defending him obviously and then sending a lot of help with Robert Covington. Anytime it looks like Jokic might be about to shoot, like Robert Covington has to get in there. Whether he's guarding whether he's guarding Composo, whether it's guarding maybe Shaq Harrison, Aaron Gordon, probably not Michael Porter Jr., probably not Austin Rivers, probably not the guys you actually worry about on offense. But I think if you just put um Roko on a more limited offensive player and let him do what he does. Yeah, exactly. And Jokic, for as wonderful as an offensive player as he is, he is also very methodical in the post. Like, yeah. it's not like he, I'm trying to think of an example, like Nick Vucevic, he catches the ball and as soon as he catches it, he's going like straight up with it. Yeah. Like Jokic, no, he's going to give you time to kind of Much smarter, feel yeah. for the situation. He's going to give Roko time to react. Like, That's it's, true, it's yeah. It's not going to be a situation where time's a factor. Like Roko can really take advantage of his defensive instincts in this matchup. Yeah. Yeah. And Definitely. I, yeah, and I really think for the other Blazers on the floor, it's almost like you're guarding Jokic too because I think a lot of the time, like obviously the cliche is like stay between the, your man and the basket. Yeah. I think for the Blazers, it should be like stay between your man and Jokic. Yeah. Like I really, Facts. I really think this is much more about playing the pass than anything else. Like, um, I agree. I'd, yeah. I'd much rather give up a wide open three than like a backdoor cut where Jokic can easily find like Austin Rivers for a layup or Aaron Gordon for a dunk, you know? Yeah. Facts. And then I think 
when you just look at like the defensive matchups, what do you think is our base matchup against like their closing lineup or their best lineup? Because Will Barden, he's not going to be starting out this series. Who knows if he's going to come back? My my inclination is that maybe he won't. Would be my best guess right now. Yeah. So I mean, obviously Nurkic on Jokic, and then mm-hmm. who who else is even Denver starter? So Aaron Gordon. Yeah, it's probably going to be Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., Compazzo. And then Austin Rivers will probably start at the other guard, or maybe Shaq Harrison in some spurts. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really matter who's on the guards, honestly. I'm not really worried about the guards. Yeah. The guards, that honestly might be where I put Cummington, because the guards are honestly their most limited offensive players, except for like maybe Monte Morris or um, Austin Rivers. I think like if it's Composo or Shaq Harrison, those are really the guys you really want to be taking shots yeah. for Denver. And I'm not too worried about um damian lillard against aaron gordon like yeah i the thing that would worry me maybe is just that that matchup would cause yeah. lillard to maybe like waste some effort defensively yeah. but it's not like i think gordon will uh, yeah, he's take not gonna yeah he norm nor, or gordon's not gonna be attacking lillard all night or you could even throw powell on him too he's a strong guy yeah, yeah. honestly i think dame might be an even stronger post defender than powell is though yeah. like, dame is very good in that regard. I know, but just yeah. for preserving Dame's yeah, energy exactly. a little bit, if that becomes a thing. Yeah, and I think hopefully Powell will get like the majority of the minutes against Aaron Gordon. But if it's like a close late game situation, maybe that really is where we see Dame go against yeah, Gordon. Yeah, facts. Because I actually super comfortable with that too. Yeah, and then um, I think I think there I think that people have maybe come around to the fact that Nurkic might be able to slow Jokic down. But Jokic, he's going to play 40 to 44 minutes every game in the series. Nurkic doesn't real, really do that. Yeah, realistically, yeah. you can only expect 30, whether it's like fatigue or foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's hard to expect more than 30. So, so yeah, it becomes like who else can guard Jokic? And certainly not Ennis Cantor. You see a lot of you see a lot of people saying, oh, maybe Ennis Cantor is strong enough to defend in the post, but Jokic can space him he's out. He's too Jokic, smart. Yeah, yeah, Jokic has too many advantages against Cantor. May you hear people? Oh, maybe Rondé Hollis Jefferson, like may, maybe just too smart again. Can you antagonize can't. him, or if you hear people say, "Oh, Harry Giles, he has some mobility. Maybe he can get out on the floor." No, you're not gonna like surprise Jokic. Yeah. That's the thing. You have I, to do it with size. And yeah, like, I say, yeah, I basically yeah, just you know, fuck all that. You know, the <laughs> the Blazers, like it's it's not about defending Jokic. Like the Nurkic minutes, maybe. When Yo- when Jokic is off the floor, our backup center is Carmelo Anthony. Well, what the Blazers are going to do is just spread out the Nuggets. It's going to be Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Norman Powell, Carmelo Anthony, Robert Covington. Maybe you get Anthony Simons in there. Maybe Nazir Little. Just a lot of shooting, a lot of spacing. Just make Facts. Jokic defend the perimeter. If nothing else, you're just going to tire them out. Yeah. You're going to be able to outscore them. Like, I really think in the Nurkic minutes... That's when the Blazers are going to, like, that's when the Blazers might be able to press an advantage, get a lead. I really just think the minutes without Nurkic on the floor are just kind of, like, outscoring the Nuggets. That's, yeah. like, just pure survival just be, mode. Just honestly outscoring yeah. Jokic, that's all that it really comes down to. Yeah, so I think, I think if you get Melo out there, Roko as, like, the backup centers, and then go with three guards, like, whether that's just Little, have them score, yeah, yeah. Little, McCollum, Dame, like... Yeah, North. we have lots of guards who are capable. Yeah, Anthony Simons. Yeah, I just think that's 
like just totally forego even the possibility of defending Jokic because Cantor, RHJ, those guys aren't guarding him anyway. You're going to have to send the double team no matter what. Yeah. So if you're going to double team him, might as well just get as much offense as possible. Yeah, there facts. Facts. Just outscore him. Yeah. That's the name of the game. And like, boy, boy, do I think the Blazers are going to be out, able to outscore the Nuggets. Absolutely. Like, the whole three guard lineup thing has worked out beautifully oh, with Powell, yeah. McCollum, and Dame. We have realized that these three players can absolutely get 20 plus each a night. Like, yeah. it works. And we saw what Donovan Mitchell was able to do to Denver last year yeah. in the playoffs. And that was with Gary Harris and Tory Craig still on the roster. Without them, I mean, this is it's just going to be a bit of an execution yeah. here. Um, like Dame, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, both of those guys, I think you'd probably have to say are better than Donovan Mitchell. Like, oh yeah, CJ McCollum might not be able to put the pressure on the rim that Mitchell can, but I think CJ is a better all around player. Um, like a, definitely a better isolation player. Yeah, definitely a Dame better shooter. Dame does put pressure on the rim, and Norman Powell yeah. puts pressure on the rim. This this is the series Norman Powell was born to play in because my biggest complaint with Norm since he arrived in Portland is his tendency just to like his indiscretion on offense. Like it doesn't matter if it's Rudy Gobert or like Nikola Jokic or who it is at the rim. Like he's just gonna go in there full steam and just throw up a layup. And like I mean, it's. Honestly, that's why he's like probably one of the more athletic guards in the NBA and still shoots a below average percentage at the back. <laughs> it's just kind of that general recklessness that he plays with. But there's no such thing as like a reckless drive against the Nuggets because Facts. like, I mean, I think you'd have to favor Norman Powell against anybody who Denver's protecting the rim against, which is why I think this series is like when he was born to play in. Like, facts. That's facts. He, oh, he's gonna be he's gonna be super efficient. He's gonna score a lot of points, um, and it's gonna. Yeah, be, I think there are gonna be some high scoring games. I think that's. It's gonna what be we're gonna so see. easy for him too because Dame. He's just gonna create so many advantages against this Denver defense. Because what are they even gonna do with him? Like, if we run a Dame Nurkic pick and roll, like, is Jokic gonna come up to the level of the screen and try to trap Dame? Because, I mean, Dame can like walk right past yeah them. like they're they can't obviously aren't going to run drop He's coverage because then you're just like asking for bombs all day i mean they don't really have a lot of options they're really their only hope is just um like trap him really hard and force him to pass to Nurkic. but i mean there's just too much playmaking and shooting at other points on the blazers roster for that really to like be an effective strategy like the blazers for sure the the Nuggets don't have one player who you could credibly put on Lillard, McCollum, or Norman no. Powell, let alone three players. Oh, yeah, who are what, good dude? To guard all come three on of now, them. all yeah. three of them. Like, come on now. Are, are we really gonna be trusting like Austin Rivers, Facundo Campazzo, like Monte Morris no. to lock down two of the best guards in the NBA, and then Norman Powell, who's gonna have a tremendous series? Like, it's it's it's. I mean, the Nuggets, their strategy has to be an offensive series because they have nobody to stop the Blazers' three guards. And I just don't really think they have the horses on offense. Like, I mean, I think we're going to be able to... Like, Terry Stotts, he's not some wonderful mastermind, but you give any coach 
a week to like plan for one player like the mvp you give a coach a week to plan for that one mvp level player like you can come up with something especially because aside from michael porter jr there aren't really going to be a lot of guys on the nuggets who like punish you for selling out to stop Jokic. so i just think that's too big of a luxury for terry stotts to have is yeah all... if he can't figure that out dude it's yeah. bad for him yeah, and I, I like literally he might lose his job. I ultimately think he will. I think Nikola Jokic he'll put up good stats. I think his ultimate stat line will probably be like twenty four points and then like ten rebounds, eight assists on like maybe lower efficiency than what he's used to. Like yeah. maybe, maybe like somewhere in the neighborhood of like fifty thirty five and then whatever he shoots on free throws. But yeah. I don't think this is gonna be I don't think he's gonna have as good of a series as he had against the jazz or the Clippers last year. And which is funny because the Blazers have been one of the worst defensive teams in basketball this year, but not in those last 10 games or whatever. Yeah. And not with Nurkic on the floor, not with Covington. Yeah. I just worry. I just worry that um, the Nuggets offense is just maybe too like one dimensional. Like, you know, it's going through Jokic and so so, portland is so multi-dimensional that's such a bad matchup for denver offensively yeah especially since like denver doesn't have like like if denver had like one like good defender on their team like if they had like a rudy gobert like where they could channel everybody to then it might be different because like a lot of defense comes down to is just deciding what you're okay with giving up like the Jazz have decided they're okay with giving up layups and floaters because they trust Gobert to defend those shots. But like, what are the Nuggets giving up in this series? Like, the Blazers have some of the best shooters in the league who are just going to scorch them from the outside. Like, Dame and CJ have all, and Norm have like made a living like pulling up on like floaters and jump shots. Like, the Nuggets have the worst rim protection in the NBA, so you assume they don't want to give up layups. Like, there's just not a shot that's okay, even if the Nuggets. Even if the Nuggets were like able to like dictate terms and decide where the Blazers shot from, there's not really a shot location that the Nuggets have like a good method of defending. And then I just think the Blazers are gonna like the guards are just gonna put so much pressure on Denver. It's just it's hard for me to imagine Denver like really having any way to stop Portland. I agree. Facts. Like Denver yeah. in five. <laughs> yeah. Is there any more points you guys want to make about the series? Um, I'm excited to watch Melo in the playoffs some yeah. more. I mean, I don't, I don't know how relevant he is in this series just because no, we I, have so much. But I mean, of course he matters. But I think he'll be an X factor in like, yeah. especially in series in the future. And I think we should go all offense in the series. Yeah. Like I, and Ennis Cantor try to get everybody hot. Yeah, Ennis Cantor's. Um, I think we should play in his canter, but only in minutes where Jokic doesn't play. Because I think having yeah. canter and Jokic on the floor is a recipe for disaster. I think people focus on what Jokic can do to canter when the Nuggets have the ball. But when the Blazers have the ball and the Nuggets are on defense, like canter is one of the only players where Jokic actually has a chance against. Because like, what does canter do well? Scores in the post and offensive rebounds. Like Jokic is a strong guy. He doesn't allow like easy hook shots in the post. And he's a great defensive rebounder. So a lot of like Cantor's best advantages are minimized against Nikola Jokic, where instead of Cantor, if you had Melo or Rocco as your backup center, 
you're really accentuating a lot of the disadvantages Jokic has by forcing him to play in space and forcing him to be like more involved in what's going on around the perimeter. So I really think any time the Blazers have Cantor in at the same time as Jokic is a big mistake for Terry Stotts. And so I hope that that doesn't happen too much. When the Nuggets go with their backup units, they've really gone away from JaVale McGee and focused a lot more on like Jamichael Green or Paul Millsap as a backup center. I actually think that might be a time where you can be okay with Cantor as um, your center because I think the reason the Nuggets go to those lineups is just a little less size on the floor, but a little more quickness, a little more versatility, a little bit more switching. And I think in like a, against a switching defense, that's really when Cantor can like press his advantage on the glass because he might get there might be points where he's like got gotten switched onto a guard or gotten switched onto like a wing or even if he's even if he's being guarded by Jamichael Green or Paul Millsap, I really think those are situations where Cantor can kind of enforce his will on the offensive glass. But I think there's no reason for him to play with Jokic on the floor. Facts. Yeah, dude. Portland, I got Portland seven. Yeah, and I think I'm probably. This just seems like kind of a textbook four gamer for me. I really just like where are the Nuggets? They just there's just not a there's just a not not a lot of places for them to go. I mean, I think you look at Portland. They had the second worst defense. I think you have to say that if the Nuggets do win games in the series, they're going to be shootouts. But like even if they're like they just have nowhere near the firepower that portland does on right offense. yeah so how are they gonna do that yeah so i, I think this is a four gamer I think four, four gamer baby i think this is a sweep and you're going with four games four gamer too. yeah yeah there you go all right i guess before we wrap up um very very quickly with no analysis at all maybe fill out the rest of our brackets and we can just go one at a time i think in the east i'm gonna have philly over Atlanta pretty easily. I'm gonna have the Bucks over the Nets in seven. In the in the West, I'm gonna have Clippers over the Jazz. I think that'll probably be like a six gamer. And then Lakers over the Trailblazers again, probably like a six gamer. Eastern Conference Finals, I think the Bucks take care of Philly. Western Conference Finals, I got Clippers over the Lakers. And then NBA champions, I'm gonna go with the Milwaukee Bucks, 2021 NBA champions. I think they're I think they'll beat the Clippers in the finals. Um, I think my predictions are almost the exact same. The only difference is that I'm taking nuts over nets over bucks yeah. and I have them winning over the Clippers. Nice. Yeah. I don't, I don't really care. I've given up on the NBA season guys. Once Warriors are done, I'm done watching on to baseball. Let's go. Jonah, you did a fantastic job. Do you guys want to make finals MVP? I think for me, I obviously have to go with Giannis. KD. Oh yeah. I'm going with KD. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, finals MVP for me, Stephen Curry, <laughs> Russell Westbrook. Nice. Uh yeah. Let's see here. Your bracket's kind of sus. Jason Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's go James Harden. But he's not in the finals. <laughs> I got the Memphis the Grizzlies and the Boston Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> whatever well all right this has been what a day what a night good show if not a long one but um what a day yeah this should be a very fascinating playoffs hopefully we're able to reach some fans back in the arenas yeah yeah that's big time all right it's gonna be lit it's gonna be peace bro